Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, with me this episode, I have Matt and Noah from Constructing Comics Podcast. Not only do they have an amazing podcast that everyone needs to check out, they also are amazing creators in their own right. And it was just a really awesome opportunity to sit down um, with Matt and Noah and just talk about comics, talk about our process of making comics, and just talk about podcasting in general and kind of what it's like um, being podcasters and in the comic uh, industry. Um, and it was just a, a really great time. So hopefully you guys all enjoy uh, this episode. Before uh, we get into it, make sure that you guys subscribe uh, to the podcast. And if you want a free comic uh, sent right to your email, please go to aguildy.com forward slash free comic. And you'll get issue one of my hit indie horror series, Madison, completely free. That's aguildy.com forward slash free comic. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. All right, guys, thank you so much for uh, joining me for another episode. Um, I have Noah and Matt. Noah and Matt are uh, the publishing publishing duo. Matt's the publisher. Noah's the artist and letterer, right, uh, yep. for, for Dino Thrashers. Um, uh, and they were also uh, the duo behind Constructing Comics podcast that I was – uh, a part of, and I'm just really happy to have them on my podcast. This is like a, officially a podcast crossover. We've we've yeah. done it. We we've broken the the realm. The <laughs> the interdimension portals are going to split open. <laughs> no one will be the same after this. But guys, thank you so much. Only one will me. survive after this episode. I hope it's your guys because this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> my wife might kill me if I keep doing this. <laughs> no, we're 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 excited uh, to be yeah. here. It's going to be yeah, a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Andrew. Yeah, this is this is awesome. Yeah, no, I, I uh, I'm super happy you guys are able to come on, and I, I definitely want to chat. You know, chat you guys up not only about your uh, Dino Thrashers comic because it's a, a really cool comic, something that like um definitely like spoke to me like my my 90s like nostalgia vibe it definitely like hit that chord with me so i can't wait to kind of like talk to you guys about how that came about and definitely you know you guys are the first you know podcasters i've had on here so i'd love to pick your brain about podcasting so um, yeah, let's I guess, pick yours too because we have okay. no idea what we're doing <laughs> uh the feeling is mutual my friend <laughs> uh so I guess kind of can uh, you guys talk a little bit about what Dino Thrashers is? I know it was successfully funded on Kickstarter. Um, can you talk a little bit about the project, how it came about, um, and just your guys' roles in it? Because I know, Matt, you're primarily a writer, but you took up a different role for this one as a publisher, correct? Yeah. Um, so I, I handled this one as um, as a publisher. I had sort of branded a few of my books under a like a sci-fi imprint that I was trying to get going called uh, Forever Comics and then I had uh, through the powers of the internet I had met this other guy uh, Brett Murphy who is the uh, the other half of of Ageless Press and uh, he was doing some horror stuff and you know we were just sort of trading emails and we're like hey how about we combine forces and sort of use those two aspects of it uh, the forever as a sci-fi and uh, he was calling his stuff legacy comics and he was doing more horror stuff. So we were like, well, we'll bring those two under the umbrella of ageless press. And it just so happened that, you know, you know, I, I've made a lot of comics with Noah and, you know, I do a podcast with Noah and we're talking all the time. So he was aware of like all of this sort of structure that was going on. And very conveniently, Mike, the, the writer of Dino Thrashers, um, 
who's a magazine publisher who was taking the dive into to writing comics, saw Noah's art on Instagram and reached out to him. So Noah was presented with this opportunity and he knew that I had sort of been taking the steps to start that publishing. So it's just sort of all the things worked out really well. Yeah, where it did. It did work out really nicely because I think Matt and Brett messaged me in April saying that, you know, if I could, if I had any projects come through to sort of maybe pitch it to them as something that they could put underneath the, the, the ageless banner. And then a couple of weeks, like literally just, just like at the end of April, I got all the scripts from Dino Thrashers, um, from Mike for Dino Thrashers. And uh, I just, I really wanted to draw militarized dinosaurs. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I think Matt would be into this too. So yeah yeah that's awesome so noah did he uh mike is the writer yeah did mike you know did he contact you cold um did you have any relationship before him and then did he kind of what was his pitch like and why did why did you take to dino thrashers why was that the project you wanted to kind of work with and work on well like that's a really good question because it's something i brought up not not as much but it's something that's sort of important to how i worked on this project where he contacted me cold and I've, you know, when you're a comic artist out there in the world and I'm not that seasoned, but if you talk to anyone who's seasoned, who's in art and illustration, if someone contacts you cold, you either need to sign a contract up front. If you want to do the project, you need to see the money up front or you need to bring someone in so you can guarantee that you get a contract or money at some point down the road. So Part of it was like me sending it to Matt to be like, yeah, this would be a cool thing to put under Ageless. But also it was Matt knows the crap I've gone through with other writers and things like that. So to have Matt in my corner as my like sort of like protection in case this guy was just going to like, you know, take my drawings and run that kind of thing. That was important. So he contacted me cold and that's why I contacted Matt sort of to be like one of the reasons why I contacted Matt. Wanted to draw the book, but I also wanted to make sure I got paid that we all got paid. Um, but, um, but at the same time, there's another thing going on with Matt, like just sort of little things where we had sort of at the beginning of quarantine, it, it had sort of come up a lot with people we had interviewed about um, classic, like GI Joe comics and transformers comics and things like that. And I had just sort of been sketching some ideas for this, like, you know, so a comic like that, that I would do maybe someday. And I I was showing them to Matt and being like, wouldn't it be cool to do a comic like this at some point? And then Dino Thrashers came along and all of a sudden all my bland human warrior designs were way cooler with dinosaurs as the, as the leads. And then, and I was, uh, and it fit perfectly for where I, what I wanted to draw. So I, yeah, I really wanted to do the script. And then, like I said, you know, bringing in Matt was sort of the next thing to like, you know, like let's, let's do this together um, with, with this new guy. And, yeah, that I mean, obviously you put dinosaurs on anything, and it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it, it goes it goes from a five to a ten just just instantly. There's dinosaurs involved, but yeah. uh, Matt, what when when Noah approached you with this project, why was this project something that you wanted to? Uh, is this your? Correct me if I'm wrong. Was this your first project that you got that you're publishing, Matt, under the publishing banner? Yeah, it, it was. Um, so it was a, cu- a couple of things. It was sort of Noah's enthusiasm. And, you know, again, like as he described, you know, we were we were looking at G.I. Joe art. You know, we were trading sort of, you know, IG post of different things that we had saw that and it just sort of it fit. Um, so 
it was his enthusiasm. And I sort of, you know, I, I talk to Noah nearly every day about something for comics or <laughs> visual storytelling. So to have him read through it, it was almost already like pre-vetted for me. Like I knew that it was something that, that could work because, you know, we through 160 some episodes of podcasting or, or trading notes on story. I knew that he knew like it was a complete story. It had all the elements. It had drama. It had page turns. It, it, it had enough structure to it. So it was almost like pre-vetted for me uh, by somebody that I, you know, have so much in common with and, and trust. So that, that was very helpful. Yeah. I, I saw that um, on the, on the Kickstarter, it was, um, a little bit longer campaign than like the 30 days. Wasn't it 40? Or no, we, like we, we were gluttons for punishment. We did the, we did the 60 day 60 one. Days. What um, was the, I, I got to ask, man, cause I'm in the thick of a Kickstarter right now. Uh, I'm 15 days in and I am like, I, I'm pretty sure I, I've aged like five years in these 15 days. So what was 60, what was the kind of the publishing strategy behind that? And, you know, obviously it worked, you guys got funded. So, I mean, just what was that like? Because I, I, you know, I don't see a ton of 60 day campaigns. Yeah. So it was a couple of things. Um, one, I don't want to do it again. Um, but two. Um, <laughs> I say that after every Kickstarter. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I had run some more modest campaigns myself uh, with books that had lower page counts Um and, you know, we had sort of upped the production value, we had upped the page count, we had more people involved. So we, we had a bigger funding goal. So it was really my fear of the higher funding goal um, that I set it at 60 days. Um, and just like any Kickstarter, you um, you have the great start and then you have the lull where you're doing like, if you're lucky, you're getting one, two backers a day and then you have the rush at the end so I think really all I did was um, uh, give myself more of a uh, dead period in the middle uh, to just sort of worry about the campaign but I'm also very sort of meticulous on uh, the way I handle things and I I know that like we've been in several groups that you know we talk about the the power of sort of planning your day and sort of setting objectives. So I would do a thing where I would make sure that I posted um, at least one time a day in various social media. Um, And so I would go through and I would check and make sure that each day it was at least getting up one place. Um, But for 60 days, uh, I was having to get creative to find new material to show. So like sometimes, you know, it would be half a panel of this and the next day it would be a half a panel of that. So that was another sort of, um, another sort of issue that I had was to just sort of find new material that was exciting. So like somebody wasn't like, you know, I see this thing three times a week. I just wanted to show them something different every day. So that, that was a challenge, but never, never 60 days again. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Oh, Maybe go on, Noah. No, Noah, go. I was going to nope, say I'm another. Done. Okay. <laughs> You're all good. <laughs> well, one of the things that Matt brought to it, having run Kickstarters before, having run successful Kickstarters before, were all the artists he had run those with. So we had like Wilson Gandolfo, Bora Arcal, uh, Kevin Zimmerman, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to say, um, Ertan, um, mm-hmm. Cayenne, uh, we had, uh, we had, and then I had some other artist friends join in and all of them sort of, and my friends, I'm guess being like Travis Wells, 
uh, Kevin Eagle, uh, Matt Parrish. We had all these artists generously do these amazing promotional pieces for the comic and having that their built-in audiences see these cool images attached. I, I don't think it made your job easier, Matt, but it definitely like that was something that you sort of brought from my perspective to this, this, uh, this campaign that did keep it fresh as we went along. Um, and I think another thing too, is to give, to give credit to, um, our colorist, Alfred, who, um, he gave us the, he gave us four pages up front, like fully colored pages to put on the page, which was Mm -hmm. on, on our Kickstarter page. And, um, then sort of, we did have some of those sprinkled in there as well towards the middle and the end of the campaign where we got more colored pages and were able to show those off. And he's an incredibly talented artist himself. So it, it, it was, it, uh, like, this sounds like I'm sort of like maybe tooting my, the horn of the project that we did, but I really do think that it, it sold itself on a visual standpoint because of everyone who contributed to, to selling it visually. Yeah, I mean, just the, you know, I, I just pulled it up because I, I, I backed it, but just the, the initial just first image of like all these dinosaurs and like the wolf guy, like just that alone um, was, was something that I just, I immediately thought of like the 90s cartoons that I grew up with, like Street Sharks and Biker Mice from Mars, yeah. like when Noah, when you were creating this, like, was that what you had in mind? Like, cause this is like, this is really cool stuff, man. This is really awesome art. Um, well, what, yeah. like, what were you, what was the kind of feel with, I'm assuming that's the feel you were going for. Yeah, it was. And, and part, and a lot of that came from Mike, the writer, that was sort of his goal was to write something in the vein of street sharks uh, or um, there, there was another one, I think like dino saucers was sort of like the main thing, like, you know, and I think that's sort of like your deep cut, Saturday morning cartoons, but he knows about all that stuff. Um, A lot of it, though, for me came from this desire to draw something cool, you know, like, that's something I think you don't really get the chance to do very often. Um, And someone wants you to do that, you know, where they're just like, you draw, like, here's the character's name, some little descriptions, but just make it look cool. And 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 part of that is like you know comes from sort of the philosophy of a lot of those toy creators those cartoon creators from the 80s and 90s where like you know if you watch like the toys that made us that was sort of the the philosophy behind the guys who designed all the characters of masters of the universe and transformers and teenage mutant ninja turtles was just make something that looks cool and i hope that i did cuz i was really having fun um doing it and and also i'm i'm a huge action figure guy so like i i have a huge collection and i just love you know it was a good excuse to just take them all out and be like what do i like about these designs and how do i incorporate them into these uh these characters so what you're saying is matt needs to get on the action figures for issue 2 he needs yeah. to, that's going to be one of the the uh rewards right Get some uh, yeah. of the action figures made writer mike would love that yeah, yeah we were there was there was talk of uh lego minifigs just to sort of have you know some dino thrasher lego minifigs to, to put out and you know when uh 
when your significant other comes in, you can tell them, you know, you're, you're, you're researching, you're, you're, you're setting up a, you're setting up a scene. You're not, you're not playing with your, with your Legos. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's uh that's really hard to, uh, to talk your way out of. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, what was it like for you to put your publisher head on for the first time? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, but how much did you, how were you mostly just publisher? Did you do a little editing where did you, did your writer hat come in and want to change some stuff around or were you completely hands off? So I didn't really do a lot of editing here. Um, Noah was able to, uh, to take, uh, to take Mike's script and sort of present him with, you know, I want to do this here. I think this would work better as this many panels, or maybe we can eliminate this. And to Mike's credit, you know, as a first time uh, comics writer, he was, he was, um, you know, very willing to, to work with Noah. Um, so I did not really do a lot of editing. I, I read the script, I enjoyed it, but then it was sort of, I, it was handed over to Noah to sort of work out the communications with, with, with Mike on how to change it. Um, it was pretty funny that when I got the script, because, and Noah and I have talked about this a lot, is that uh, Mike is a very sort of, uh, he's more of like the Alan Moore school of uh, writing. Like he tells you everything that's going to, to, to be there. And I've done a lot of comics with, with Noah and that's kind of like, Person A and person B are in this location. Person A wants this. Person B wants this. This is what they say to each other. Um, so I'm more of, uh, uh, you know, minimal, like when, when I write it. Um, so Noah was able to sort of use that, like Mike's verbose description. There's like one part where like they're in a tent and like Mike told him like all the different types of bones of the dinosaurs that he wanted shown. So Noah had to go and like research it where I would have wrote dinosaur bones in a tent, you know, Dr. Track is, is looking at one and like, so they, he was able to sort of blend those two styles together. Um, But my main role was um, really just to sort of act as the, like the everyday uh, business of running the Kickstarter as the, as the publisher. Um, you know, I, I've done it a few times on my own. I've been a member of some pretty big anthology Kickstarter. So I've seen sort of the, the tick, the, the, the tricks that they use on, on those. Um, so it was pretty interesting because I didn't, I, I didn't have any sort of writing and editing concerns. It was more of like a project manager. It was like, you know, Pages would come in. I would look at those. I would make sure that the, you know, the next person in the line saw those. And, you know, uh, so really it was not a lot of creative work on my part. It was a lot of project management and sort of promotion work. Now, which hat do you like better? Do do you like your writer creator hat or do you like this publisher hat or are you going to freely move between the two? Um, I think it would be to freely move between the two. I mean, I have a practice of trying to write for myself every day. So, you know, there would be times where we're running the, we're running the Dino Thrashers Kickstarter 
So it's sort of the publisher hat is on there. But then, you know, I was also scheduling out, you know, a few moments for myself to either, you know, sketch out something, um, work on a few draft outline pages of my own stuff. So uh, I, I would say it's, you know, switching between between the two. That's, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm always doing that when I'm running a Kickstarter anyways. Like I talked to, uh, we have a buddy, Rob uh, Maltari, mm-hmm. um, and he talks about, doing things in cycles, which was really um, eye-opening for me because I would beat myself up when I was doing it like a Kickstarter and all I'm doing is like promotional and marketing work. And I'm like, man, I'm not creating. And he's like, well, that's not the cycle you're in. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he told me this, this idea of the cycle. He's like, right. You have your, your marketing and publishing cycle. Then you have your fulfillment cycle. Then you have your creative cycle. And then you, you know, and then it just does this never ending revolving kind of wheel and I kind of looked at it since you know I'm a one-stop you know pretty much my own self-publisher I I am acting as a publisher um solely um once I was able to realize that and, and kind of take that mantra up I was able to um live with myself for not writing every day um in in, in the capacity that I want obviously I'm still doing some sort of you know creative stuff but not that and I thought it was really interesting um that outlook that Rob, that Rob had. Um, did you, did you find yourself wanting to write more when you were publishing or um, were you okay with, you know, just having your publishing hat on? Um, so I have this objective is to, to, to do four pages every day. Um, and they, they might not be the the greatest pages of all time. They might just, you know, just be sort of outlining, you know, basic panel um, descriptions and not a lot of dialogue, but I, 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 I make a point of doing four pages every day. Um, so I was still doing that, um, and, you know, cause like uh, a big influence on me or two books are uh, Stephen King's on writing and Stephen Pressfield's the war of art. And those guys talk about how, I mean, for the Pressfield book, it's like, it's pretty much, I think the, the, the saying is, is that uh, the muse, you can't wait for the muse. You have to show up every day at nine o'clock and, and work and hope that the muse shows up. And then like, mm-hmm. if you think of somebody like Stephen King, he writes every day, including Christmas, the 4th of July, his birthday. So there's a little bit of that. And I don't beat myself up if it's not. Also, I don't beat myself up if those four pages aren't great. They're, they're four pages that might turn into something later or they might um just help me build story um so yeah so i think to go back to the question um i was still creating and i was still sort of um publishing so i don't really have those cycles like like rob i'm sort of i guess always on so yeah i uh both those books i absolutely love so are you uh talking strictly about as like a writer are you more of like Stephen King where he discovers um, his story as he writes, where it's really not an outline. He just kind of goes, he's a, you know, uh, what's he called? Like a, uh, like an archeological dig, right? Yeah. Do you find it or are you more of a planner and where you got to outline everything and then go into it? Or are you somewhere in between? I guess somewhere in between. Um, I tend to be concept first um, and then, uh, start with that and then try to build interesting characters. But a lot of times I don't 
have an ending, but if I can get started with four pages, five pages, whatever it is, I've sort of started it. And then sort of in my mind, I'm still working on, uh, on story. Like um, the first comic I did um, was called digital forever. And it was a story of people who were able to be put in a simulation for the afterlife. And I can remember the moment that I got the ending of the book. I was in the the break room early morning um, at work um, getting coffee before most of the people for work showed up. And I was just sort of going through the mindless task of making my coffee. And then the, then the end came to me. So then I was able to go back and finish it out. So a lot of times I get started, I kind of think about it and then I'll just sort of have these moments of inspiration where I'm like, okay, that's the midpoint. That's how it ends. This is a big scene. I want to work into it. So it's a little bit of both, but I, I like to get started and get that momentum going. That makes tons of sense. Like I, I remember um, for forgotten hymns, there was a scene I was working on and it just wasn't working and I was beating my head I, like I was writing it and it wasn't working and I was rewriting it. And I just remember, I just was like, all right, I'm going to move on. And I just like left a couple pages blank and moved on to the next part. And I was doing the dishes and I was like, Oh, there it is. Like to- as soon as I, as soon as I said, forget about it, the, the idea came. So I think there's, there's something to the not thinking about it that makes it come w- like your ideas, come like whatever that is, I don't even know how to describe it, but like when like I, I've talked to a bunch of different writers and they all kind of, you know, when we talk about this stuff, they all like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was joking that I wanted to invent like a, uh, a waterproof dry erase board for, for my shower. Yeah. Cause a lot of times I'm like, Oh, don't forget that. Don't forget that. So if I could just sort of like <laughs> jot that idea down, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy how those things come to you at odd moments. Yeah, I like that's bath, a... like bath time markers for little kids. Just like all my layouts come while I'm in the shower or while I'm driving. So if I could just be like in like on the window as I'm like going down the road, be like, okay, this is how the page is going to be laid out. That kind I, of... I, I th- no, I'm so glad you jumped in because that was going to be my next question. Like, is yeah. I was going to ask, is there a similar thing for artists? Because I don't know artists like the you know I know artists. I'm friends with artists, but I don't know how the inner workings of like how page layouts and and the storytelling parts work like how how does that come to you is that like as kind of um i I don't want to say laborious but like uh do you get caught up in like the artist version of writer's block ever do you ever like do you have to like map it out or you just kind of do you just start with one panel and let the page go like how does that kind of work um so like this project was really hard because every page felt like writer's block um and uh mainly because like again mike like mike is like he's a first time writer and i don't think he like he doesn't completely understand sort of like the like sort of real estate you have to have on certain pages and things like that and there's only so much i can do myself as an artist in four panels so like i had to get into a groove of like a finding what I could do with his description and then sort of be like, okay, what is enough in this page to keep the story moving and understandable. Um, And that also comes from like, I've, I, I don't, I'm not a very good reader. That's a big thing. Like I I don't, I don't, I'm like, I have like a very short attention span. So it makes me harder to like read like prose. 
so comics have always been something where it's like it's nice it's short and it kind of keeps my attention and i still can read so that's sort of been like i i've read some books like regular books like over the years but i read a lot of comics and i kind of have like familiarize myself with the language of comics and things like that i'm not a, like fully fluent in it but I, I i like and again doing the podcast really helps talk through talk it through and sort of talk about like the, the mechanics of the composition of each of a page in a comic book and or, or just of a comic in general um so some of that like some a lot of this book has sort of been to trust my instincts and not think too hard about the page and like drawing your eye around and sort of letting maybe just sort of let my instincts sort of guide my eye around the page. Um, so like it goes, it's a battle constantly for me, at least like of overthinking or not thinking at all. And uh, the, yeah, but, and that sounds like I take myself too seriously. It's more just to show I'm very obsessive over everything. And uh, that's, that can be a good and a bad thing, I guess. Um, and, but I do like to, like, I, I was really happy that I kind of did, I didn't do just like one thumbnail for any of these pages in this book. Like it was like, like, you know, at the least two versions of the, of the page before I started penciling it. And then that was different than probably the second thumbnail or third thumbnail or whatever. Do you, do you work traditionally or do you work digitally? Traditionally, um, yeah, I I really love it right now. Um but I I do like I again like there's no real reason for why I work traditionally. It's just how I work. And um like I'd like to say oh it's cuz I like the, you know, like the the tactileness of inks and paper and stuff, but you can get that now, you know? Like I was like looking at a like a Pepe Larraz page the other day and I swore it was like traditional artwork, but he was like, no, I did it in procreate. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, you can get the tactileness out of the pages digitally, but so I have no other, like no justification for why I'm traditional other than it's just how I draw right now. So I know, I know for me, like as a writer, I write longhand in a notebook first before I go to, before I like start typing and I just feel like the same thing. I, one, I, I don't feel, I, I, I don't know if this is like at all the same with, um, you know, art, but like, I don't feel like it's permanent yet. So yeah. like I could make mistakes and I could like uh, mess up and you know, I'm not worried about spelling or, or any of that stuff and no one's ever going to see it. So it feels like less, like I could send, you know, I could send, my, my thing in a word doc or a google doc to someone like no one's going to get my notepad like unless they right. break in my, they break into my house and <laughs> exactly like, where, where's where's andrew's notepad <laughs> here he has a ton of ideas in there uh so like but i i totally get the like i i can't start an idea until i write it out by hand and there's something something about that physical tactileness that i really resonates with me because i like when you said that i'm like oh man i get I don't know what he's doing. Cause I, I'm not in, like, I'm adjacent, like, you know, comic yeah. book, adjacent, like that wor- world. But like, I, I get what you're saying. Well, um, I think we, and we talked about this when we interviewed you about that tactileness, about how it kind of like, uh, no matter how you create, there's a joy, there has to be a joy in the process, you know, like you have to enjoy your process. And I can honestly say, I really enjoy how I do things, you know, so like I, I and I think that's maybe like I said I don't really have a 
justification, but that is the justification, you know, like it doesn't matter if you could do it better or not. Like, do you enjoy the process and stuff like that? You know? So I, you know, you, uh, it's no, like, it's like, it's no less that you write your notes in a notebook versus like on the notes app on your phone or something like that, you know, like it's just that, do you enjoy doing it, you know? And, uh, and then also like you enjoy looking back at the process. Like I love, I love the satisfaction of like scanning in pages on my scanner. And I only have like a nine by 12 scanner, which means that if I'm drawing something at 11 by 14, I have to like flip it around and then like manipulate it in Photoshop so that it all lines up. I love doing that stuff. So like, it's, it's, there, there has to be a joy in the process. Like Matt, you're, you're kind of the same way, right? Like where it's like, like you have to go through your process in order to like, you know, to be happy with it. Yeah, um, a couple of things, but I, I have some, some uh, suspicions. I think Noah's a bit of an old soul and sort of like his uh-huh. like comics heroes or like the, you know, the Starankos and, and stuff like that. So I think there's a bit of him just, you know, the... Wanting to the connect ro- to my forefathers. The romanticism of the uh, the guy hunched over the uh, the drawing table yeah. working. Um, I think there's a little bit of that. Probably. Yeah, I would... Um, I would think for me, it's, uh, it's similar. It's sort of watching the, the idea build and, and become something, you know, it, uh, and then there's the aspect of, you know, I might get something to a point where I can share it with, with Noah. Like, I, I know that, like, I've been really, really lucky in that the, the folks that I've worked with, I haven't had to do a, a ton of revisions. Um, so it was, Noah and I met and we decided we were going to work together. And it was sort of like one of those like feeling out processes. It's almost like dating. Um, So it was like, he's like, Hey, I want to do something. What do you want to do? So I proposed like, we start off small. Let's, let's do a, a, do a five page story. So I turned this, uh, we, we did a, we did a sort of a zombie story with a twist ending, but it was like, um, I knew that we were going to work well together because I, I wrote this story and I'd lived with the story in my head for a while, but then I committed it fully to paper to, to hand over to him, but almost like as a writer, you're writing stuff, but in your mind's eye, you're seeing it sort of be built on a sort of page in your head. And when that page in your head either matches up really well or almost exactly like you envisioned it you sort of you sort of you know and that's 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 what we had there as well so to sort of have that story in my head uh, build it into something that I could turn over to somebody and then it's then represented in another form in art and for it to match up with those images in your head is, is really cool and we also yeah kind of like the same stuff it turns out like we had conversations and i think you saw my joe the barbarian graphic novel i was reading and we both like connected over our love of sean murphy and his art and stuff like that and um hickman and uh you know like we, we sort of like we ended up you know we took a car ride to heroes con two years ago and just talked comics for the whole like eight hours down stuff like that you know like just just uh like i think i think both of us were sort of lucky to sort of stumble on each other and then sort of like i think we work well together off, off of that as well so yeah so i, I mean this is a uh you guys are doing my job you know easy for me it's the perfect segue <laughs> it's like you guys know what you're doing uh 
so obviously you guys, you know, like talking to each other so much. You guys started a podcast. It's a great podcast. It's one of my favorite kind of comics podcasts that I was, you know, very lucky and that you guys, you know, was able to go on myself uh, constructing comics. Kind of what, what's your journey been like in the podcast realm? Because not only are you guys, you know, creative partners and but also like a, a publishing kind of team and you guys work together there but you guys are also you know making a podcast and giving great content out to the comics community um like how has that journey been like where did the first where did that idea come from and how did it go from you guys just like all right should we do a podcast should we not do a podcast what is this podcast going to be about to actually doing it now you guys are what like hundreds of episodes in like something crazy like that well, first of all, we were very lucky to have you on because you were you were a great guest in the sense that we could tell like it was good to talk to you and you you're you're our favorite type of guest where like, you know, you're in comics for the right reasons, where you love the art form, you love talking about it, you love talking about creating it. You know, that that's our favorite type of guest, so that makes our job easier. But I'll let Matt take it away then for as far as the origins of the the podcast goes. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate it. You're making <laughs> <Yeah>. me blush. <laughs> so I had the idea and the the title, um, and I had a few missteps with uh, uh, getting it started. Um, but there was just sort of the the connection I had made with Noah, and we were talking about stuff so much. It just sort of seemed like we would we would we would do it. So. Um, we started off as one thing and we, we get back to that every once in a while. It started off as a, uh, a look at the comic page and how it was built and like how you could do different things. Um, I think the very first one we did, well, I, not that I think, I, I know the very first one we did was, uh, the, the first issue we made together, we sort of went through it, um, page by page and, um, you know, I knew it from the the script that I wrote. Noah knew it from the art, and we broke it down. Uh, we were we were really green. I think we did it with just an iPad sitting in the in between the two of us. Not sure if it was recording. Then I had to figure out how to get it up. Uh, so we've we've graduated to to mics and laptops since then. <laughs> um, so we did that for a while. Then we did like full issue sort of reviews. Um, and probably about 20, 30 issues in, um, it was gaining a little bit of traction. And we sort of reached out. We're like, hey, does anybody want to come on and talk about their books with us? And I would say from then, it's become almost like a 80% interview show. And then every once in a while, it's a, it's a, us going through uh, an issue or us going through a page that really, really struck with us. So it's, it's turned into more of an interview show, which I like because um, I've said this a number of times on our podcast is that um, one, we're building relationships and two, I am able to take little aspects of somebody's story when they're talking about making something. And, you know, somebody might say, you know, with the, with the, with the notebooks, I'm like, all right, that's a little, little aspect of that person's creative process that I'm going to fold into to mine that works really well. So even if I could have somebody on to talk and they feel that like it's a promotional vehicle for, for them, it's also very beneficial to, to me because I'm taking bits and pieces of other people's creative process and, and bringing it into mine. Yeah. I like to say that if, if Matt and I are the only two people listening to the interviews, it's 
still worth it because we get so much out of the podcast. Like it's, it's really like, it's, it's so worth doing just because we, we have very generous, like, again, like when you strike gold with a guest that loves doing what they do, you know, and it doesn't matter if they're good at it. And normally they are, but if they love doing it and talking about it, that's so valuable to us. Like, it's just, uh, yeah. Like, and then we talked about this off mic. If we can give like a a pair of eyes on their work, that's a a win for everybody, you know, one, because that means someone's actually listening to us. And two, that means of course we, we support another creator in their, in their endeavors to, to do something really cool, which is like, you know, it doesn't like, you know, uh, whether you like something or not is obviously, you know, that's, I mean, like, well, whether something is good or not is subjective, I guess is a better way of saying it. But what's objective is people like, you know, going like, you know, being motivated enough to create something and to put it out there for people because there's, that's not easy to do. You know, and especially in comics, when you're if you're a writer, if you're an artist and you have to bring in a team of people or you have to promote it or something like that. And that's probably not why you got into doing comics in the first place. It was to tell stories like you're already like an incredibly brave person. So, you know, that's and you didn't get into the art firm for the money either. So it's it's so it's so rewarding to maybe hopefully we we get eyes on those people and then hopefully build their audience as well. Um, Cause I, they're just the people I most admire in life. Uh, so it's, it's a great, it's a, in, in short, I love doing the podcast for a lot of reasons. And one thing that's really crazy to me is, is that, you know, we've started off and, you know, we've had, we've had indie creators at every level, but we've also been pretty lucky to have folks that have worked for the big two uh, come on, you know, we've had Philip Kennedy Johnson, who's kind of a local guy to us um, come on a few times. And, you know, we, we built a relationship with him even to the point where, um, you know, we can ask him questions like industry questions and, and he's very open with us. And I have a buddy, uh, Jordan Clark, and he and I were in the uh, this this group uh, around Baltimore called Be More in the Comics. It was sort of a collective of folks from the Baltimore area. And since I've met him four to five years ago, he's gone on to to write a couple of stories for for DC Comics, and he's got another he's got a Star Wars story that's coming out in Star Wars Adventures. So to see sort of his evolution from you know, a guy doing local shows and he's still very much part of the local scene, but he's also been able to parlay that into a few opportunities to, to write. I mean, he wrote two issues of, of Aquaman. So we've seen him go from the guy doing local shows, doing Kickstarters to, to, to doing, you know, big two books. So the, the range of folks and the fact that like pros that work for the big two, you know, um, Philip Kennedy Johnson, uh, Jonas, uh, Jonas Scharf, like has been on, like those guys have been so sort of welcoming. And I don't know if like, we, we talked about this with a, with a guy we had on, um, Brian from Cheers to Comics. Like what's really interesting about comics is the, uh, the availability that we get to, um, creatives and like creatives at the, at the highest level, 
like, uh, you know, if you were a, a struggling actor and you sent a tweet to Tom Cruise, like, hey, Tom Cruise, could you come on and, you know, give me some give me some acting tips? He's not going to write you back or he's not even going to look at that. Right. But like, you know, we can say, you know, uh, you know, I can put something up and like mention like Lee Weeks, who's like a favorite artist of mine. And he'll like comment back like oh i like how like you did that like that's you don't get that level of sort of connectivity between like the the established people and the people who are who are trying to to make their way so i think that's really an interesting thing about uh, the comics community yeah definitely and we but uh, and then to shift it to the indie creators we've gotten to see some people there like either like shift in sort of where they were going as comics creators like just in the last year so like we've had uh, one guy on this year three times. His name is Chris Barkham, and when we had him back on in the spring, he was like you know politically correct children's comics that kind of thing. And then like a month later, George Floyd was killed, and this guy shifted his platform completely to all of a sudden being like, I'm going to use my comics to tack- tackle larger issues in the world. And so when we had him back on in July, I think all of a sudden, like he was Mr. Like politically incorrect, that kind of thing of being like, you know what? I want to use this to highlight black lives matter and police reform, everything like that. You know, like that was incredible to see just that shift this year. And then we've had, of course, Jonathan Thompson on recently uh, who we had on again this summer. And he was just like, just had his first foray into comics. And now he's like doing his first Kickstarter, which again was not like something that he saw happening at all earlier in the year. We've It's been, it's so cool to see this and then to have them to have people come on and share their experiences from each sort of stage of creating where it was like, you know, well, Chris, like when we talked to you in May, like you were nowhere near this, like what happened, you know, same with Jonathan. Like, you know, he was like, you know, I think I'm just gonna, you know, uh, sell my comics on my website. I'm pretty cool with this. Just sort of create all of a sudden he's like doing a huge Kickstarter, uh, uh, Jacob, um, uh, Phillips is doing a cover for it and stuff like that. It's it's huge mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Um, or like Greg, Shea, Greg Shane, uh, who we've had on, like we had on one of our first guests uh, just to promote the release of one of his most recent comics, you know, that kind of thing. And all of a sudden he's now like big on the Indiegogo scene, running like writing stories and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And it's so satisfying to see all that. Man, I I just love hearing you guys talk about it because I feel the exact same way. Like just one thing I think that's really cool and I think you hit on, Noah, is the comics community is really like, it's really close for how big it is, right? Like, um, Like these like big name stars and I'm putting their names like in quotes, like they're not that far away and they're really humble. Like they're, for the most part, right? All my interactions have been great with everyone that I've met and everyone's been really helpful and they want like everyone wants to help everyone just make really awesome comics and like really awesome stuff. And like the, I don't see that in Hollywood. Like I don't see like Hollywood guys going like, let's go see this indie, like let's help this indie movie. Right. Like no one's like, let's help these indie guys. Right. Like you don't see that. Right. But like, we'll see, you'll see, you know, um, like, like you, like you said for Dino Thrashers, right. Like you just had guys, uh, give pinups right like you don't like doesn't matter where they are in their career they just wanted to help out 
right? And like I've I've seen that so many times. Like people have reached out to me and say, Hey Andrew, can I like help you with this? Or like I've reached out to people and you know, um and like different things. Like I it's what I feel like you're supposed to do because we're all in this together. And like um you guys talking to you guys and listening to you guys and, and, and hearing kind of your enthusiasm, not only for your own project, but for other people's projects really kind of, you know, energizes me. Like when I hear people passionate about stuff, I get like more fired up. Like the, I don't know what, what it is. Like I call it the Ray Lewis effect. It's like yeah. Ray Lewis could talk about, you know, the microwaving fish sticks and I would get excited. I'm like, I'm going to jewel and I'm going to go, I'm going to go, you know, get some fish sticks because Ray Lewis is so passionate about this and like whatever it is like just listening to you now like I'm sure you could see me I'm like all fired up and that's like what why I want to do this and like Mm -hmm. why I started doing this and it's not for me at all in some parts it is right like it's me um you know uh networking in some ways it's me connecting with with other people that I, I I didn't connect but it's for me what I want to be able to have conversations that me five years ago or six years ago when I started would have wanted to hear that I couldn't have yet because I hadn't started yet. And like, the, like those type of conversations, or maybe I interview someone who might have been me five years ago and see where they're at and maybe help them out or whatever that might be. If I could just help one person either get, you know, one new listener or one new backer or, you know, maybe, whatever it might be, if I could just help one person, then that's a goal. That's a win for me. And that's in, you know, wherever this takes me, it's going to take me. I, I don't really care for for that. You know, I, I guess I do a little bit, but you know, everything else is just kind of gravy. I don't know where exactly. I was going with that, that but that's, that's my, right. hopefully well, that, that made sense. No, like it, it makes so much sense. And, you know, <clears throat> yeah, we really are in this together from the top to the bottom, you know, it's been cool to see, how everyone has come out to support each other in the comics community this year, you know, like uh, we got mad at boom when they released the Keanu Reeves, Matt (laughs) Kent kickstarted the same day as Dino Thrashers, but then boom turned around and they spread the wealth. Yeah. Like they, they donated money to like, you know, a bunch of Kickstarters, like, and not like five bucks, like hundred bucks to like Kickstarters after that, because they realized like, Hey, you know, how we get ideas are from the indie people who like Matt Kent was a guy like us at one point, you know, like got to give money to those guys so that they come and work for us or something like that. But also just be like, you know, the only thing, the only reason why comics are kept around by the capitalist machine are to generate ideas. Um, And I think, you know, but then there are the people that love that genuinely love comics you know, and that's why they make them. And that, and then that the higher ups at, at companies. So like a lot of editors are still in it just for the love of making comics. And um, you have people like Scott Snyder out there, like, you know, you do running his own Kickstarter, but then also taking time to give, you know, to give sort of the stage to other Kickstarters as well. And to make it clear, like, Hey, we're not here to steal business. We're here to help, you know, boost comics to, you know, get it out from underneath this capitalist machine, that kind of thing, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's just cool. It's, it's so cool to see how this, this community has supported each other in this year. And that's what keeps me optimistic. Yeah. I, um, that had to have been something to launch Dino Thrashers and then, and then literally like go on, the, go on the page and be like, 
Keanu freaking Reeves. Are, are you are you serious right now? Uh, but I, I will say it probably brought more. You know, my yeah. my take on it. You know, the whether it's Scott Snyder or um, Keanu Reeves or insert any big name person. Um, my my thought process is it, it's nothing but good for me and other indie creators because number one, you know it legitimizes the platform. It makes it more mainstream, right? Like when I first did uh, the first issue of Man of Sin back in 2016, like that's not that long ago, but like telling someone I had a Kickstarter, like, so it's like a GoFundMe. Like, what What do you like? And I don't even know if there was a GoFundMe then. Like they were like, what is a Kickstarter? So like it's becoming more in the zeitgeist, I guess, if you, if, if yeah. you call it because of those creators. And two, the, you know, it's basically, it's basically kind of like a, uh, the way I look at it's like a somewhat like a digital comic book shop where you'll have Dino Thrashers right next to Berserker, you know, on someone's browser, you guys are on the same playing field. Like there's no really different, there's no production difference. There's nothing like it's right there for, for anyone to go grab. And it's bringing new people onto the platform that wouldn't have been there anyways. And I, I think that's, you know, that's all good. Like, that's all good stuff. Like, I don't, I don't see any negatives. Like, and if they're, I, I don't know, uh, uh, that's just my thought on it. I don't. And I agree with you completely. And I, I've said sort of like a philosophy of mine of just sort of why I don't get sort of the, and it's like, again, I'm maybe hyping up comics to be this sort of like infallible community. Cause there, there are jerks in here, like kind of thing like that kind of stuff. There, there, there are malicious people out there who do want to take down other people's books in order to prop their own up. But those people don't seem to get that. Like, it doesn't have to be a competition. You know, mm-hmm. you can have both. It's sort of like people being like Marvel or DC. It's like, well, why not both that kind of thing? Like, it, it's like, I, I like both and it doesn't matter. Like you don't have to just buy one. That's a big thing too. It's like, or, you know, if you only have to buy one, uh, there's no hard feelings because, you know, again, it's art, right. You know, like that, that's, that's the big thing. It's, you got to, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta know that you like, like sort of goes back to talking about being passionate about something. You know, if you love something and you put it out there, the odds of someone, you know, you got, you got, you have to work hard for it to find an audience. But I think you, there is, that it is a fact that there is an audience out there. Like if you love something enough, you put it out, the people who love it, hopefully will find it, you know? And that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had, I had, like similar experiences when I first launched my my first Kickstarter I had friends that were like you could just do this on your own and I'm like yeah I could just do this on the on my own but Kickstarter is allowing me the opportunity to get this book in front of people who might not see it if it's just me trying to make this on my own and circulate it in you know groups that I know Um, but I think another thing that's pretty interesting is I think I saw a statistic that like, it was either for October or November, which Diner Thrashers would have been part of, but there was like, if you combined all of the projects that were on Kickstarter, it was almost like, if you would have branded them all together as their own publisher for that month, they would have had sort of like a market share that was like equal to like, like an image comics or something like that. So if you, if you look at it as a group, it's what are we going to say, like roughly 10 to 20% of uh, maybe give it, you know, there's probably ups and downs in the months, but it's probably uh, 20, 
15% share of the, the, the comics market? Yeah, I want to say I, I saw either the same one or a similar one that you were talking to, and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but it would have been like the third biggest publisher. Like if yeah. all the all the comics published were under the Kickstarter publishing banner, it's like the third lar- largest publisher in the world, like in the in the world, which is nuts to me, right? Like mm-hmm. like it's it's bigger than Oni or bigger than Dark Horse or like on the same scale as like Image or Boom, because um, I know they jockey back and forth. Um, but like just to like just to to know that there's that many people wanting independent comic books, right? Or like or like things that they can't get anywhere else um, is really really awesome and amazing as someone doing this, right? Like you you get to create something and then as long as you are passionate about it and you put your all into it, um, you could find you're gonna find someone who this resonates with. And and Noah, you were talking about that, right? Like you're gonna find your audience. And I think that's what what it's all about, right? Is you know, um kind of getting that snowball effect too. Like you you start with very little and then slowly you just keep going and going and going. Um, and that's one thing that I, I've really liked and enjoyed and meeting and just meeting tons of like really awesome people. It's just been, been really cool for me. I, um, I know one thing, I think a lot of, you know, uh, I don't even know how to word it. I want to say younger, but that's not the right word. So I guess more, uh, a little bit greener creators struggle with, I've talked to a few creators about this. It's been something that's been on my mind lately is um, imposter syndrome. This idea that, that you're not good enough. Even if you right, like, even if you have a successful campaign, even if you are published, even if you have people that are saying, Hey, we like your work. There's still this weird idea that you don't belong or that you're not good enough. If, if you guys had to deal with that, either individually or as a group, either as a publishing team or as a podcast team or um, like, has that popped up and how do you guys deal with it and get over it? Um, Oh, you go ahead, Matt. um, Okay. So uh, for me, the, the imposter syndrome is sort of like really like, like a mood, like, you know, you'll have days where your mood is up and you'll have days when you're, when your mood is down. So like, I'll have days where things click a little bit better than they, than they do on other days. And then those will be the days that um, sort of the imposter syndrome um, will sort of like um, sort of bubble up. Like, do I have, do I have what it, what it takes? Is this a skill that I can build or is there some sort of level of like innate talent that's got to sort of, be there and do do I possess that? Um, so I, I I go back and forth with that sometimes. Like um, I try to draw, and like I come from a family that's fairly artistic, and you know some days I'll have days that like my the, what I what I draw is a little bit better than what I drew the day before, and I wonder is like is this something that if I if I keep at it, am I going to get better, or is this something like you know my dad could just pick up a marker and just sort of dash something out that looks really great without really having to, to think about it. Did he have this sort of like underlying talent that, that, that I don't have. So th- that, that, that's a lot of the stuff that I battle with. Yeah. I, I battle with similar stuff as well. And then on, on top of it, it is the, 
you know, am I good enough kind of stuff, that kind of thing for, for doing a comic. But at the same time, like it, I have to, at some point say, it doesn't matter. Just do the work, you know? Um, because I, like, I am afraid that I'm not good enough, but at the same time, like I, I it never, it doesn't get in the way of my enjoying it while I'm doing it, you know? So sort of the cure for imposter syndrome for me is just to do it. And then when those thoughts creep in, just to sort of not ignore them, but kind of sort of rationally say that doesn't matter, you know, you're doing it. That's, that's the big thing. Like imposter syndrome is, is like most sort of like self-esteem issues, a waste of time, you know, where it's like, it, it does keep you humble in the sense where it is good to have a little bit of it just to sort of keep you grounded and to sort of remind you of where you came from, but also to just sort of be like, okay, I thought I didn't deserve this. It may be true, but it doesn't matter right now. Just do it. That's what, that's something I had to repeat to myself a lot this year. And especially with Dino Thrashers is like, if I'm not good enough, that doesn't matter. I just need to do it and have faith in myself to know that I'm not half-assing this, you know, like I'm really not just like sitting down and barfing on my drawing board and then leaving. And even then that takes some work. So like, you know, like it's, uh, it's kind of, yeah, you're like, you're not farting in the wind when you're doing this stuff. Like, it's just like you, I am putting in work, like that kind of thing, like into doing this. So I have to tell myself that as well, where it's like, that even if you're not good enough, at least you're, you're trying to pretend that you are I kind of thing by how hard you're working. But what about you, Andrew? What, what about you? How do you deal with imposter syndrome? Um, Imposter syndrome for me has morphed a little bit to why am I doing this? Mm. To like, like, it's like, all right, you don't like some, like there'll be, there'll be some days where I'll just be like, all right, I don't have to put myself through all this stress and anxiety and like, you know, on top of everything that I, I do. So it's like, all right, why are you doing this? And then that usually comes from because you're not like good enough. Like they're kind of like intertwined those, those ideas and feelings and thoughts. And usually I, I use that because one of my favorite books is this, I read it every year is that book uh, Matt talked about was the war of art. And I use that as a compass. Usually when I start feeling those things is when something good is about to happen or breakthrough. And it's like, once I have those feelings, first off, I, first off, I acknowledge them. Like, I don't like pretend like they're not there. Like, I, I think the worst thing to do is be like, all right, well, everything's every Like, you ever seen that meme where the guy's like sitting in the kitchen and there's fire around? He's like, everything's yeah. fine. <laughs> like, fine. yeah, like I yeah. acknowledge him. Like, okay, I'm feeling these. And then I use it as a compass. Like, why am I feeling this way? All right. Like, okay. So I use it as my true North when I'm feeling that way. Um, and then I usually try to figure out like the root of that. It's like, Oh, it's because, you know, no one's backed my Kickstarter today or like whatever, or like I'm stuck on a page or, you know, I, whatever it might be, right. Multiple of things. And um, so I usually try to find, find myself there. And then what's really interesting is then I tell myself like, this is my choice to feel this way and I don't have to feel this way right? Like it's a conscious decision. Like, okay, I feel this now, you know, I don't need to feel this way. I could think about this in a totally different way. 
And what gets me out of that then is I go to what my, my why is, why am I doing this? And, you know, I, I've said this before uh, in other places, um, you know, I'm doing it so I could look my daughter in the eye one day and tell her she could do whatever she puts her mind to. And it's not hollow words. I have, mm-hmm. I have the physical things to show her. And so I usually go through like that progression of like, I am complete garbage and trash. Why am I doing this? Like, I don't have to do this to like, okay, I, I feel this way. Why do I feel this way to, all right, now this is why you're doing it. So stop being a baby. Put your pants up. One thing that I've had trouble dealing with is shifting the blame, that kind of thing where it's like, it's like, well, it's not my fault. I'm doing this, that kind of thing. Or it's like, oh, they, they, they're the, they wouldn't have asked me if they didn't think I would do it, that kind of thing and stuff like that. Like, like somehow people are, you know, not plotting against me, that kind of thing to like put me in this place, that kind of stuff. So like, it's important, like you said, to take that personal responsibility and shift it into something, not to the place where you're like, you're like, yeah, I don't deserve this. I, I cheated my way into this position, that kind of thing or something like that. But to, to, to then sort of transform that thought into something productive, like I'm doing this, to do it, you know, that kind of thing. And to have that satisfaction and saying, I did something, you know, that, and uh, that's so important. And, and, you know, like, again, like you just got to give it to, to people who like, you know, just do things like that. That's a, that's a huge accomplishment is just to do something um, that you didn't have to do, you know, it's uh, like, like making a comic or something like that, but you did it. Just, yeah, there, yeah there's there's so many people who think about doing it and never actually do it yeah exactly right? like, like uh, how many people have you probably walked by at a convention or walked by you in a convention or you know take it even you know more universal like at the grocery store who have you know ha- they have a story in their head and they really wish they could get it out or yeah. you know they used to love to draw but put the pencil away right like and and wish they would have kept up with it and like how many people are walking around in the world today. And like, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this. It's like, if one person by happenstance or through osmosis or whatever it might be, gets a hold of this and they hear one, one podcast and makes them want to, you know, write a story or, you know, dust off the pencils, then that's, that's why you do it. Right. Because the more people that are in, I honestly think the more people doing it, the better, this whole community is because there's more voices and you know everyone lifts each other up and that's what it's about yeah yeah i think uh you know there's there's a, there's if you think about it like for a comic book there's somebody that's gonna like just want to pick up a comic book to read it for the enjoyment and then there'll be somebody that'll read it and think about it for a while but you know to to and then you know there's always and you, you mentioned this, I've, I've stood behind people at, uh, at, at cons that are, you know, talking, uh, talking to somebody that they think is, you know, a decision maker at a con and they're telling them about this like 60 page story that they've always wanted to do. But there's, you know, so there's different levels. There's people who enjoy it. There's people who like enjoy it and think about it. And then there's people who are actually, like obsessed with it enough to, to, to think about it all the time and, and to make it. So um, yeah. And, and to be able to 
go up to to a publisher or, or somebody at a con and not be the guy that says, hey, I want to to write this 60-page Swamp Thing story for you, DC Comics. Well, one, they're going to tell you to, to just keep moving on. But two, to, to be the guy or the girl who can be like, and here is this as a proof of concept that I've taken something from beginning to end yeah. and turned it into something is is a whole nother level of um, presenting yourself and, and showing yourself at, at a con or at, you know, the opportunity to talk to somebody that, that might be able to, to get you, get you a job or connect you with somebody. Yeah. Your, your best. I, th- I think Justin Jordan said this once in an interview uh, your best calling card is your past work is your body of work. Like your best business card is your body of work. Like mm-hmm. no one's just going to hire you because you're, you know, you know, whoever you are, Joe blow from wherever. Right. Mm-hmm. If you, if you have, you know, the more stuff you have, the more likely it is someone's, if that's your aspirations, right? Some of, some people just want to create just their own stuff, right? But like, if your aspirations is to write, to write, you know, Batman one day, they're not going to find you unless you start writing your own stuff, right? And it might not be mm-hmm. about Batman, but it might be, you know, your own, you know, whatever your whatever it may be. Um, and so I think it's it's really important that you know, I think it's really important that people go out there and and try and or, you know, and, and, and get their feet wet and, and do the things and do the work and make it happen. And it's a way to, it's a way to learn. I think, you know, running a Kickstarter is a unique opportunity to do everything uh, soup to nuts, beginning to end. Like um, I ran a Kickstarter the first time, like I didn't have the files like properly formatted for the printer. So I knew that like, the next time I had to look at their template and make sure that it fit, or I was just going to, you know, waste some time having, having to do something. So it's like, you do it the first time you hit a hiccup, but the second time you've got that hiccup out of the way until you hit the next one. So each time you do it, it gets easier and you know, sort of like the pitfalls and the things to to look out for. Oh man. The, the file sizing thing (laughs) for the first, like no one told me that. Like I I just, (laughs) Like, uh, I had, I had no idea. Like the, the, it's so funny about like making like comics and like, all right, I'm just going to make it and I'm going to do it. Right. And then you go to like a printer or whatever and they're like, you know, are your files and they give you the, you know, the, what is it? The RGB or the K C Y M K, whatever yeah, it is. C Y M K. Yeah. Yeah. And are they, you know, this by this dimension. And then they were saying like, email me back and I'm like I don't even know what language this is like it makes no sense to me uh and so like having to figure that stuff out and just like all all the little things right that you had no idea it's like I'm a little bit like project manager I'm a little bit editor I'm a little bit salesman I'm a little bit you know you know logistics because I'm shipping stuff like oh and that was like another thing like I had no idea shipping is crazy like Mm -hmm. legitimately like at first I was, I was thinking like with shipping, like, why is it so expensive to ship stuff? And then I was like, oh yeah, like, cause I'm not driving it to, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Like someone's got to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I guess that is pretty cheap for, for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, one time, I one time took some envelopes to the, uh, to the, to the 
to the post office and they weighed them and I was like two tenths off of like the next highest price. So I'm like, give those back to me. And I like took them home and I'm like, all right, if I remove one backing board here and then I'm putting it on the kitchen scale and I'm like, all right, I got it under, I got it under 12 ounces. It's, it's good to go. So like, you know, you, 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 you even figure I've, I've been the guy go, Oh, that's too heavy. I'm going back home and repackaging that. So. Oh, that's, that's doing the, uh, the self publisher math. I love it. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, I pride myself in the fact that I came to the table with Matt already knowing how to format things or at least knowing how to do it quickly once the, the printer came back and was like, Hey, this isn't right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I panically forward like, those emails to Noah. I'm like, Noah, what is he saying here? And he's like, yeah. oh, this is what he's saying. I had a, like a long arduous journey to get to the place where I understood what to do. But even then, like I, I've hit places where like with certain publishers where it's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, Amazon don't publish through Amazon, I guess is a good advice. And if you find, if you do find a publisher uh, that has good customer service, stick with them because it's like um, not to, not to do a commercial for them, but uh, comics impressions. I I did the last run of my books with, and I've never had so many emails that said, Hey, you know, I looked at this, this is off. Do you want me to fix it? And like, they, they would, they would, they would fix the files for me. It's usually like, Hey, this is, this is wrong. Fix it. So like, if you find a publisher that or, or a printer, I should say that uh, has good customer service, don't, don't leave them. I had the same exact experience with uh, comic impressions. So Manison went through like so many different iterations. So like somehow the files that I had for like the first two comics that were originally published through um, insane comics were different than the last set. Like the, the, like, I guess like the sizing of it. Cause I guess they were in, I didn't have the originals. I lost the originals. And luckily my letter had the, the first like 40 pages. So he sent them to me, but they were formatted like all wonky. Like, cause they were doing like silver age stuff, I guess at that printer. So they were bigger. And so, like, I had half my comic was bigger, half the other comic was smaller. And so I sent them the comics impressions because I had no idea, right? They all look like comic pages to me on my computer. Uh, and so I sent it, and they were so nice. They worked, they walked through everything with me. Um, at first, I thought he was going to, you know, tell me, go find someone else. But uh, he was not only was he awesome to work with, and he walked through all that stuff, but the product itself was absolutely amazing. Like I was super happy with the product. Uh, that did turn into a commercial. So uh, comics yeah. impression where uh, we, yeah. we, we got your back. Listen, you have two <laughs> podcasts you could be sponsoring right now. Comics impressions. Yeah. I'm looking, we're, you know, listen, we, uh, we're, we're both looking for advertisers. We're not, yeah. you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm sure you, I'm going to speak for you guys. I'm sure you guys are not uh, beneath getting advertising. Not at oh, all. No. Not yeah. at all. So uh, I guess, you know, it's been it's been over an hour, guys. We've been uh, chatting it up. So uh, I got a couple questions before we get out of here. Noah, could you describe or, or tell me your favorite page that is going to be in the upcoming uh, Dino Thrashers that we haven't seen yet? Um, my favorite page is I just got it back from Alfred. And it's this, like, it's sort of why I, I, I sort of fell in love with Al- my, my colorist Alfred's style. Him and I did a project a couple of years back that didn't go anywhere, but he did. I, I just gave him a page and um, I use, I, 
I, I don't, I'm not big on backgrounds, but I'm getting better at being big on backgrounds. But he would like fill the space with these like beautiful, like flowy, billowy clouds and things like that and just create this amazing atmosphere. So I, I knew there was one sequence that I, when I first read the script, I was like, Alfred's going to kick ass right here in this sequence. And he just sent it back. And it was, it was what I expected and more from him. And I drew it knowing like Alfred's going to do something amazing with this. And um, it's towards the end of the book. It's a, it's an aerial fight scene. It's like, uh, it's my favorite. It was probably my favorite to draw. And it's now like definitely my favorite with how Alfred's colored it. So I'm excited to letter it and um, see if I can, you know, not screw up what Alfred's done. Like it's, it's, yeah, I, uh, I'm really proud of those pages and um, I'm excited for people to see them. Just listening to you talk about it, man. I, I can't wait to see him. I'm going to, I'm going to look through it. And then once I find it, I'm going to message you guys and be like, is this it? This, yeah. this has got to, this got to, then I find it. It's going to be like my little, uh, where's Waldo, uh, yeah. uh, Matt, what, uh, what do you got coming up as a, a writer publisher? What, what's, uh, what's next on the horizon for you, man? Um, so I'm actually trying to take the step of uh, pitching uh, products uh, or projects to, to different publishers. Um, but uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm working on a short story that should be in a book, um, but I want to wait till everything's finished there. Um, but uh, I think for the most part is uh, I guess the, one of the biggest things is uh, digital forever too um, should eventually be able to, to get rolling. Um, the artist on that, Wilson Gandolfo, he's doing Paranormal Hitmen for Behemoth Comics. Um, and once he's sort of got through uh, the those pages, he's going to dive back into Digital Forever too. So that was something I started a long time ago. Things have sort of shifted around, but it's going to be nice to get back to that story. Yeah, uh, you... You've been sharing a little bit of a, a project. I don't know what it's called. There's like some guys like in a rock like bar or something yeah. like that. Yeah, um, um, I'm working on a thing um, and I like to try to pitch it as Atomic Blonde meets uh, This is Spinal Tap. So there's a, <laughs> they're, 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 they're rockers and spies at the same time. So that's, 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 going, that's going pretty well. Um, I'm thrilled uh, to, to, to have found the artist again I, I i keep hitting the the lottery of just finding artists who i don't have to send a bunch of revisions to they just they just nail it like right away so yeah uh, eventually eventually i guess my luck will run out but so far it hasn't the uh the artwork is is really cool for that that uh the tone that that you've been sharing like it, it's just it looks really cool um and uh I love the Spinal Tap reference. Like I say, I'm going to kick it up to 11 all the time. <laughs> yeah. And no one like, you know, I'm a teacher. And so like, I'll say that in class and no one has any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I almost, I, when I was lettering, uh, uh, when I was lettering the book the other day, one of the pages, um, there was a dial it up. Like it was like one of the phrases used. And I was like, I could just add 11 in right here. <laughs> like, would it be that much? Like, would I take away from too much of the page? That kind of thing uh, to just make a spinal tap reference. Oh man. I love it. I love it yeah. so much. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I did, but maybe now thinking about it, I could, I could go back and do that. Uh, 
that's uh, that's so awesome. All right, guys. Uh, before we get out of here, where can uh, where can they where can everyone kind of follow you on your socials? Where can they get your stuff? And uh, little plug for your guys's podcast because I think it's something that uh, everyone should listen to. Take it away, Matt. Okay. Um, as a writer, not shockingly, uh, most of my stuff is, uh, on Twitter. I'm, uh, at M K U N D. Um, uh, my Instagram, if you want to see what happens when a writer tries to, to draw is, uh, M A K O eight, or that's a zero zero eight seventy six. Um, and then, um, I would just say to, to follow Constructing Comics on the various social uh, medias. We should be on every podcasting service there is. Um, and we like to use the tagline, um, building stories one page and one panel at a time. It's either going to be a review of a, a comic. Um, sometimes we go really deep, um, too deep sometimes. There's I think there's probably, what, like 20 hours of powers of 10 house of x talk that 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 we did at one point um but yeah just just check that out um and if you are a creator who wants to come on and and talk comics just uh reach out to us because we're very we're very open to having having people on yeah because we need to steal people's ideas (laughs) oh i wasn't on mute whoops um the uh the you can follow me on um yeah follow construction comics first and foremost because that's you know, I'm very proud to be a part of that. Then, um, then my, my, I, I post all my artwork to Instagram. Um, and I have a Facebook page too, but my, uh, Instagram handle is Noah Cray, all one word. And there's a C in there because of my middle name, but then everyone thinks my last name is Cray, which it's not. So in order to translate that over to Facebook, my Facebook page where I post all my artwork is, uh, Noah space Cray illustrations. And you get everything that's on Instagram there. Um, then, of course, Dino Thrashers has its own Instagram page. Not much is being posted there right now. Uh, but Matt's Matt's Instagram has all the Dino Thrashers and Constructing Comics has all the Dino Thrashers updates as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, yeah, like when you, if, you, if you're interested in the progress of that, that's sort of where everything is going right now everyone make sure you guys follow them uh on all the socials and make sure you guys check out their podcast constructing comics it's an absolutely awesome podcast guys thank you so much it was a blast thank you thank you